listening to the North Peace Roundtable podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and the Christian life. <laughs> you can hear that applause because we made it. 100 episodes. Yay for us. Woo! <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. If, you're, this is, if this is your first week listening, you're probably very confused. Why are they celebrating? Well... We have recorded 100 episodes of the Roundtable podcast. Specifically after we revamped it. Because yes. you, you and Don used to record, but then you came to Cameron and I and you were like, hey, let's do this again. Yeah, so. and this is episode 100. We're all drinking out of, if you can see, which you can't. If you can uh, see. <laughs> we're drinking out of mugs that say North Peace Roundtable podcast 100th episode. So it's a big day. Uh, <laughs> we got a parade later. <laughs> <laughs> We rented, we rented Centennial Park, <laughs> Bouncy Castles, everything. It's going to be great. But uh, my name's Andrew. With me, as always, is Corlin. Hello, hello. And Cameron. Good morning, everyone. And we have a special guest this morning, the one and only Tyler Giesbrecht. Good morning. And he is... Might not be the only, though. Giesbrecht, there's a lot of them. I was going to say... Are there any other Tylers? <laughs> there is. Yeah, one of the several. We got the the better one. It's like going to Presbyterian and saying, "John, John, where is are there, you? Is there a John Fair? That's your dad's is there name, a right? John Fair here? Isn't your dad John? Yep. Yeah. He is. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So yeah, Tyler uh, made us these <laughs> mugs, and uh, today our podcast is unofficially sponsored by Rampage Coffee Company. We are enjoying the Dark Roast Premium Blend, code BLK. So that's what it says. There's no A or C. Right, yeah, yeah. Code BLK. It stands for Better Lives for Kids. Yep. Oh. <laughs> By drinking coffee. Mom and dad are regulated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh. All right. So we want to get to our topic for this morning, and Tyler sent it in. Uh, but he essentially said, what is... Our and you can clarify me if I'm wrong. What is our like kingdom purpose as followers of Jesus? Slash, how does suffering fit into that? Does that make sense? Like, so if you're a follower of Jesus, what is your purpose for God's kingdom? Yep. And then, you know, if you look around the world and you look even at Christians' lives, there's suffering, there's hardship. I, I don't know why this is reminding me of that Bethel. <clears throat> baptism testimony where the oh, girl's like getting baptized because her purpose is like for the animal for kingdom the animal or whatever. Kingdom. Yeah. 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 That's so that's it's a fair question, I guess. Well, yeah. Cause like, so let's jump in on that. Cause not to like make fun of this poor lady that yep. is being misled by a church, but like she, she said, like my purpose for the kingdom of God is to help the animals. Like, so when we talk about like, okay, is that a thing or like what is a, a follower of Jesus purpose in the kingdom and are we going to face suffering and how does that fit into the purpose? I don't know. So throw it out to the floor. <laughs> Sip my rampage coffee. Oh man. <clears throat> I've not, I've not heard of that particular scenario, but I feel bad for this person who might be a little misguided. I mean, there's, everything noble in the thought of taking care of the earth, you know, following some of our original um, commands to nurture and to dominate in a way that we've touched on before is not oppressive, but life-giving. I hope that's what she meant. <laughs> I, I think that, that, you know, the baptism class 
might have hashed that out a little bit on, you know, fair and noble, you want to be a vet tech and praise God at Starbucks, all good. <laughs> but what is kingdom purpose? And I think <clears throat> there's two, um, I don't know, we've, I think we've touched on this before, the idea of Christian suffering and, and um, how Christians actually might suffer better mm-hmm. uh, or, or at least suffer with purpose. And we are pushing back on the whole um, continuous narrative like Corlin touched on just before we went live in that if you just commit to Jesus, if you just follow this way, your life will improve, like your life will get better. And I think it's like a cheap selling point that's been used for far too long where um, it's just wrong. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think there's a number of ways we can touch on what does it live to mean to live kingdom focused, but still live in a very broken World. So do you think like, okay, uh, all <coughs> followers of Jesus, we all have the same purpose. Like here's, so like, okay, you become a Christian and then you're like, you get baptized and then you're like, what do I do now that I'm a Christian? Is the answer the same for everyone? Is it like, here's your purpose now in the kingdom or are we no. talking? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that wasn't so bad. Hey, hey way to jump Tyler right in. says no. Um, here's why I thought like that, because like, so Matthew 28, Jesus gives the great commission to his disciples. It says the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Is that what we're talking about? Like, as kingdom purpose? Like, if you okay, so you become a Christian, you get baptized, you're like, what do I do now? Is the kingdom purpose like, well, go and make disciples, or are we talking more like the how I do that, or with whom do I do that, or or both? I don't know, Tyler, you asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think that as Christians, we all have specific. Uh, gifts that we've been we've been hmm. given, and we have strong points and and weak points. Um, so I think that that plays into the things that we are um, called to do in our lives. Um, and for us specifically, uh, my wife and I is you know we were called uh, years ago to start fostering and adopting, hmm. and. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of challenges involved with that, but, uh, that is probably not the call on everybody's life, what they're supposed to do here or what, uh, they're, they're called to do, but we all, I I believe have something that God wants us to do to further the kingdom. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I get what you mean. Like I, I would say like big picture overall, you know, is to make disciples. But I think you're right. Like how that will be played specific out. Specific callings, because I will say, like, some people listening might be, yeah, I don't feel called to like foster, mm-hmm. and that's it's not necessarily wrong, right? It's right. just you have that specific calling. Um, you know, I feel called to preach and teach the Bible, and maybe you know other people don't. So I okay, I get what you're saying, like. So I, I, I think we see that evidenced in Scripture, right? We see the Great Commission happen, and then shortly after the, the four Gospels in your Bible, you'll come across a book called Acts, and that is the story about how the church went out and grew, right? 
And so you come, uh, you come across guys like Paul, who are called to preach to the Gentiles. And then you have other characters who we read of who are called to preach to the Jews, right? Like that's it's specific calling that they have on their lives to enact what Jesus has already told them to do. Yeah, Acts 6 is a great example because there was this complaint that came to the apostles that, oh, these people aren't getting enough food and these people are getting more food. Can you like fix this? And I love, um, you know, the disciples' response. They said, um, I'm just trying to read it. It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables, which sounds like kind of a jerk thing to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's beneath us to, but that's not what he was saying. Yeah. He was like, God called us to preach and to pray. And so he's like, pick out people who can deal with this problem so that we can continue to pray and minister the word. And it says it pleased everybody, which is the last time everyone in the church was pleased about something. <laughs> Everyone's pleased about it? Wow. And then they chose um, seven men who could deal with this problem, right? So it's it's like Peter and, you know, John and James and all the other apostles. They're like, yeah, that's not our calling to, like, go and serve these widows. Our calling, God's called us to preach. So you're right that we see different people and then even, you know, the gifts of the Spirit uh, not everyone has the same gift and not everyone uh, has all the gifts, right? It's, yeah. We need different gifts. So Tyler, I'm going to ask you, since you brought it up, um, when you say like you and your wife feel uh, called to foster, what did that look like? Was it like uh, the sky opened and in, written in the clouds, you shall foster? Or like... Yeah, it was actually, it, it's, uh, it didn't come to us... Um, you know, it, it was actually very quick what happened. So uh, I was just at work one day and, you know, fostering and adopting was the furthest thing from my mind. And um, all of a sudden I just had it pressed upon my heart, just doing my everyday stuff at work. And I just heard this little voice say, this is what I want you to do. I want you to start fostering. And... And it was odd because, like I said, it was not something that we'd ever really talked about together. So um, I went home and uh, talked to Jamie. And I was like, we need to sit down and have a conversation. Um, something has come up. <laughs> was she like, what is happening? Well, the funny thing is, she's like, yeah, yeah, I, I think something's been pressed upon my heart today. Huh. So we both just kind of said, like, this is what I feel called to do or what we should do. And we had both at the same time, at the same day, had pressed upon our heart that we were supposed to start fostering, which mm. sounds crazy, but that's literally how it happened. Huh. And then that's cool. Um, we fostered, uh, I think we fostered three uh, short term uh, placements because we just signed up to do respite and relief care, which is just. When other uh, foster parents are feeling um, that they've reached their max, because it is it is hard work, um, we would take over for a weekend or a week or, mm. or whatever is required just so they can take some time to recuperate and then get back in the trenches, as it were. But our, I think it was our third placement, we just, we got a phone call that there was a little girl that was at the hospital, her mom gave birth, and then had had left um and could we just take her for the weekend 
and my wife and I went to the hospital and we held her and my wife was like, we're going to adopt her. I was like, okay. And that started our process. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> wow. How about you other guys? Like, I think it might be helpful. Okay. So for people listening, I think overall big picture, all, all followers of Jesus are called to somehow make disciples, whether it's your, your own kids whether you lead a life group, like whatever it is, right? I think that's big picture, right? Yeah. But then God calls specific people, right? Like Tyler and Jamie, I want you to foster and, and adopt kids. And, you know, mm-hmm. Cam, I'm calling you to the animal kingdom. And, <laughs> like, well, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, like different different ways. But I think it, I think it might be helpful for people who might be listening going, I have like, no, how do you find out what you're, what, what you're called to are there things that you can do to like what is god calling me to do in his kingdom what like i think there's a lot you can do and i think where people get stumbled up and i am challenged not to be more critical is that at least in my journey there's been many folks who've been like i'm waiting on god's call i'm prayerfully waiting and i'm being open but not actually doing anything and isaiah and james give great examples of like Look after the oppressed, clothe the naked, feed the poor, look yeah. after the widow, yeah. look after the orphan. So I have always been kind of poking back at that bear saying, which one of those are you doing and still not feeling fulfilled? Because <laughs> sure. like you don't need like that's a blessing, of course, for Tyler and Jamie to have that that uh, impression <clears throat> on the day. Like that's a, a glorious miracle. But it it was something that, yeah, might have been rolling around in their hearts without them even noticing. But I, I challenged folks to do that because I was super convicted as a young person living very uh, selfishly and then getting into uh, working in addiction treatment. And that's where I met my wife. We were both working in a treatment center. And for the next 12 years, we kind of lived in that space of just being around broken people and being okay with that Yeah. from the downtown east side. And then what became, uh, became Fort St. John. But I'll also say that I think callings can shift because when I left that ministry two years ago, I felt completely at peace with that and to the point I've shared before where someone said, are you okay leaving biblical Christian ministry? And I'm like, I don't think I am. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't, I'm still a Christian and I'm going to go into a workspace now where it may not be as evident. And I actually found that more fulfilling than being, I should, I, I'll be careful with that. Like I found it a different, <laughs> it was a different level of fulfilling because uh, I've said before, it was easy being a Christian where everyone looked at you expecting to be a Christian because you got paid to be Christ-like. Sure. Uh, but in a, in a sphere or a world that's more secular, when you are Christ-like, it's been, uh, it's been producing more interesting and fruitful conversations when, you know, when you're just different at work. And I think that ministry has been quite interesting. So I would say, um, do something <laughs> and, and if you're interested in it, it could be well, good, but then be open that God might shift paths and direction. And then, so I think yeah. for us, at least we went from serving others to now, like really focusing on our kids because it was my daughter saying, you love work more than you love uh, uh, us. Mm. That was my like stab in the gut at that time. Ouch. And I shared before, you're like, you love toys and heat and you're, you <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, you want to play this game? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where do you think this stuff comes from? Um, but that was when I felt a shift and I'm like, okay, I need to be home. I, it reminds mm. me of a story, our, the worship pastor at our last church, uh, 
he was driving with his, I can't remember how old, but little kids, and they drove past the church, and the daughter was like, look, that's where daddy lives. And he was like, oh, no. (laughs) We live at the same house. Yeah, anyways. um, I don't know, Corland? Yeah, I think the idea of, like, what is our kingdom purpose? What's our calling? It's been something that's been rolling around in my head a ton recently. Yeah, we've had lots of conversations about We've had a ton. Um, So... Yeah, I like to get into the position of ministry that I'm in. There definitely was like a day where it was like, I want to serve God, right? Like I'd, I had walked away. I had walked a life where I was just living in sin, living in death. Uh, and then I, God had graciously pulled me out of that and has had started changing my life uh, in drastic ways. And I remember there was a day where I was like, I need to serve Yahweh. Like that is what my purpose needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so then stuff started moving around and we started getting, uh, the youth pastor apprenticeship position figured out. Uh, but just recently I actually, with a part of the apprenticeship went to a course, uh, down South in Kelowna and we were talking about admin stuff and man, I live and I tell you, I do not think my calling for the kingdom is to do admin work in a church. <laughs> Amen, it is, brother. It is not my gifting. It is not. God bless you, Bev, if you're listening. Yeah. Seriously. It is not my calling. And so I just, <laughs> I started thinking about this because I think, like, even for myself, I think sometimes we think of our kingdom calling would have to specifically be in a local church, specifically serving on, like, the pastoral team or the elders team or, like, somebody working at the church the secretary might not count but like like that's what we think that's what we think kim if you're listening we appreciate you you count but i think that for me i've i've started to recognize that that's not necessarily true um Mm -hmm. i when we talk about god giving different gifts to different people i think that those things play out in different ways Mm -hmm. if our view of the kingdom is so small that it only encompasses the church that you attend You've got a wrong view of the kingdom, Mm -hmm. right? So to have people that are going through the foster system and to be able to be a family that would welcome those people in and adopt or even just welcome them in and Mm -hmm. be a place where they can rest might be your calling to be someone. We have someone at the church here. uh, Our children's director has a volunteer who comes in and does a lot of the admin stuff because it is a huge mm-hmm. gift to that person who does the children's director who who is a children's director to not have to worry about that stuff. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure that I can share this. I'm pretty sure that my mom has said that that person who's doing the admin stuff was like, I had no idea I could use my gifts for the kingdom like this. Yeah. Like, like how specific, sad, like organizational and yeah. administrative gifts. Yeah. So totally. like how sad is it that when we look at the kingdom, we expect only to have soapbox preachers or people who have crazy testimonies. It's like the crazy testimony is that God has called you out of a life of sin and death. And now he's invited you to serve in his kingdom. So yeah, yeah. I, I think we look for like really, really glorious cloud, you know, uh-huh. sky opening visions from God of what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And I think sometimes it is just to use what he has given you faithfully to honor him, to love him and to make disciples. Right. So does every Christian get a spiritual gift or is that only for like, I would say so. Yes. Yeah. I'm of the person. W- that was like I'm, a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but of the I'll tell you yes. like some people are they're like, I don't have any spiritual gifts. Like, and it's like, well, if you read the list, there's like, a ton. A spiritual gift is something that the spirit uh, has gifted you at. Yeah, and it's not like a um, 
we just automatically assume, oh, you mean like lengthening people's legs? Like, I don't know how to do that. Like or speaking that, in tongues? Or? Sure. But I mean, literally, the administration is listed as a gift. And of believe the me, as someone who's not gifted at that, <laughs> it looks like like. Or it, even like generosity is listed as, as yep. you look at people who are like, man, how like we have a few people in our church that I'm thinking specifically of that. I'm not I'm not going to name names because that's not appropriate, but like. I look at them, I'm like, man, how are you so generous? Yeah. And I'm like, you have, I think you have this gift of like generosity or there's mercy or there's, um, there's a gift called helps, which I love because it is so vague. Yeah, other yeah. duties as assigned. <laughs> it is so vague. <laughs> but I think of like uh, your dad, I think, because he just comes and he's like, how can I help? And I'm like, sometimes it's like this sink is broken. Yeah, I'll do it. And he does it, and he's like, I don't want to be up on stage. I don't want anyone yeah. to know. And there's lots of people who are like, um, can I help set up tables? Can I put chairs away? Do you need me to do this? And yeah. I'm like, that's a gift that like you yeah. find joy and fulfillment in just helping people. Like, um, And would you would you say, though, like, I've spiritual gifts have, have often been so, like, over-spiritualized that people think they're away. But I think I've seen more folks in my um, my history go from, like, having – this really unique set of skills before they found Christ and then have been able to go back. And so some might say, oh, that's a spiritual gift of administration, but they've just been, they've been like that. And now it's actually their focus has shifted. Now their purpose in doing that well yeah. has shifted and it's actually really neat to see. Yeah. But then if we're ready to think of the other side of that yeah, and Tyler's like, how does suffering get involved? It's fascinating that we still ask those questions, reading most of Paul's letters, <laughs> re reading about all of the uh, disciples who were brutally martyred and still wonder why suffering's a part of God's calling. I think Paul especially gives us a good example yeah. and how he doesn't even focus on the suffering, but but we, we see this massive uh, yep. suffering. Can you explain, like, is that what you meant? Or like, when you put those two things together, it... Is that what you meant? Like, we're serving the kingdom. Why am I suffering? Or like, is that? Yeah, well, I, I think that we kind of live in this cloud of I'm a Christian now and my life is supposed to be yep. easy and I've got it figured out. And I mean, that's just that's just not the truth. And we, we find it in scripture, specifically with Paul, like you mentioned, that when we're doing the things that God calls us to do, the enemy is going to be sending everything he has to try to shut it down. Totally. And so if you're not suffering, maybe there's some questions to be asked because, um, I, I think that the North American church, mm -hmm. um, is far too comfortable in complacency and just expecting somebody else to do it or saying, Oh, that's not my gift. Somebody else will do it. And then coming on Sundays to sit in a pew in the same pew every Sunday, listen, <laughs> listen to the word, go home and be like, I'm a Christian when there's so much more that we're called to do. And yeah, if, if we're doing what God calls us to do, we should expect to suffer in some way. Yeah. And it's funny because it seems, it seems contradict but i'm serving god why would i have to go through hardship and unfortunately like cam you said that there's there is teaching that's like well if you are obeying god and serving him then he will 
bless you financially and with good health and you never have to be sick and you'll never blah, blah, blah. And you know, the favor of God and you'll have a bigger house and a bigger car and smooth sailing. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, um, <clears throat> unfortunately that's not tr- true. Um, so as you were talking, Tyler, the verse came to mind, um, second Timothy three twelve. It says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's like a promise. If you actually want to live a godly life, you will face persecution. Um, I wrote down a few others that um, I'm trying to flip fast. Romans 8, 17, saying like, you are adopted now. You're co-heir. It says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And we're like, woohoo, sounds great. And then it's comma, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Um, and then the last one that I thought of was uh, 2 Corinthians 4. And again, Paul's talking and he's, he's, he's listed like, we're crushed, we're perplexed, we're persecuted, we're struck down. He's like, just... Bad stuff is happening, but he says, but we don't lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction, which makes me laugh. I'm like, Paul, mm-hmm. it wasn't light, buddy, <laughs> is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And yeah, if you read Paul's life, like... He talks about like I just think of the one story when he's he's on a ship and then the shipwreck happens, the ship is destroyed, they make it to an island. Okay, let's gather firewood to get dry, and then a snake bites him. It's just like yeah. it just seems like one thing after another. But it's interesting. Paul says like, um, what's the verse that we always take? I can do everything through a verse out of context, right? I can mm-hmm. I can do all things through Christ. Yeah. In that verse, in that section though, he's talking about like. There's times when I had food to eat and I had a bed to sleep in. And there's times when I had no food to to Mm -hmm. eat and I was homeless. And he says, in all things, I can do all things. So I think um, Paul's not saying like, he's not some glutton for punishment that was like, oh, you're offering me a place to sleep? No, I have to suffer for Jesus. Mm -hmm. No, like I'll take it. Yeah. But he just just said, like he embraced the fact that if you're going to follow Jesus, like this kind of stuff can happen. And that's a mistake that, christians make we look at this i'm a new creation and we look at this new this kingdom on earth and then we like allow ourselves to forget that this is but momentary affliction because of eternal hope in christ jesus and actually we put far too much value on this short existence in this broken world and we almost allow ourselves to believe that the world is no longer broken because i found eternal hope and joy yeah and i'm blessed to have had a conversation with someone dying who said i'm going to be fully healed i'm just probably going to be fully healed in the face of jesus and that was like so instrumental for me as a a younger person this guy had kids a wife and he was crying like i don't want someone to sleep with my wife but she's gonna have to remarry we're pretty young and he was a pastor and it was just so beautiful to actually get a really good perspective of man it's been so good god Mm -hmm. is so good and i'm gonna meet him in a couple of days and he was like yeah it was a beautiful conflict because he felt fulfilled and he and, and 
my wife shares of a her mo- impactful moment with another pastor who's still alive, thank God today. But when got cancer, said, "Why not me?" was his sermon. Another pastor. Yes. Because I get to encourage and I get to actually show believers that despite this broken world, eternal hope is actually really true. Yeah. And much like Paul said, like that's what we're striving for in, in the way where we can actually face affliction today and realize that mm-hmm. whether it's the enemy trying to thwart our efforts for kingdom progress or it's the fact that we live in a very broken world yeah. and, and you know the drive-by shootings have innocent victims like yeah, there's no there's totally. a the explanation is not easy yeah. but the explanation is sinful broken world that we are in and called to be in uh, but not surrender ourselves to be of if that yeah there's sense. a pastor in the states matt chandler uh he if you know his story it, it's probably like 10 years ago now he had a massive like seizure on thanksgiving weekend and uh they found like this huge tumor in his brain and he's the pastor of the village church which is like ten thousand people one of those like mega churches and uh they were like yeah we have to like do emergency surgery and remove this tumor and then you have to go on chemo and radiation and blah 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 and he's still alive today, but he shares that like people in his church came to visit him and they're like, don't worry. Like essentially like you're too valuable to, to God that he's not going to let you die. And he would, and he actually preached a sermon when his head was like shaved and he has a massive scar oh, wow. where they took the tumor out, essentially being like, why not me? That's terrible theology to be like, well, Matt, God won't let you die because you're so valuable. He's like, I am nothing. Like if I died, Life goes on. Like, it's essentially what you're saying. Like, yeah. he just said it's a part of life. Like, we will uh, suffer even if we're following Jesus. Uh, it's not a guarantee of a smooth, easy life. It's just part of life. And sometimes it's God disciplining us or, like, um, like Hebrews 12 talks about that he disciplines the ones he loves. Sometimes it's just the result of we just live in a broken world and we will face this kind of stuff um i saw a sign that said not everything's a test from god sometimes you make really stupid decisions <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, yeah totally like, you, you make poor financial choices i'm gonna invest in crypto why am i broke god why what are you teaching me yeah. it's like don't be an idiot <laughs> that's funny yeah. not, not everything is mm, a test from god <laughs> sometimes you make I think Romans really <clears throat> Romans chapter five has some insight into suffering that is it's tough. Like it's easy to read these things. All three of us, I, from what I'm aware of, four. are doing all four of us, sorry, are doing relatively well. Uh, just, you know, we, we are relatively healthy. Our families are doing relatively well. All those things. Uh, it's hard to like understand this when we're in those spaces, uh, but then once suffering comes, I think sometimes it's harder for us to actually grasp this concept. Uh, but in Romans chapter five, starting in verse three, it says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're talking about kingdom purpose, and we're talking about how suffering fits into that. If we talk about endurance, character, and hope, Paul talks about running the race with endurance. Paul talks about the hope that we've been given. And so if we think of the things that that make us long for the kingdom to come, it's often when we're suffering. 
Yeah. The things that distract me are the great things in life, right? Like if you're, for me personally, if you're going to offer up like crazy riches and stuff like that, I have like, I have a sign in my office that says Jesus is greater than a Denali, right? Because <laughs> I need to be reminded that those things are not the end, be all end all. Yeah. I'm most reminded of who God is and most desire his kingdom to come and willingness to do what he wants when there's suffering, when there is hardship, when mm -hmm. there is stuff that like makes me turn to him. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why we can rejoice in it because it does produce that, that steadfastness in our relationship with God on our side more and more. I'm not saying that we're going to be perfect, but there, there's purpose behind it. Um, and then even last night at uh, youth, we were talking about how uh, what, what we can see or what we intend for evil, God often uses for good, right? So yep. like you think of suffering and we can look at all of the horrible things that have happened. I'm sure people listening and even in this room, we've had stuff that is not good happen totally. to us. Stuff that wasn't pleasing to God has happened to everyone in this room, let alone the listeners. And I think it's important to recognize that God is often using those things behind the scenes to actually work out his purposes. Not saying that it honors him, not saying, um, yeah, don't twist what I'm saying. What I'm saying, like if you think of the story of Joseph, his brothers mm. sold him into slavery, essentially killing him because slavery was not exactly a great job to be a part of, uh, sold him into slavery. He ends up being second in command in Egypt and his brothers see him and are like, they're bowing before him, like basically showing that he is ruling over them, has the ability to do whatever he wants. Yeah. And Joseph says to them, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Yeah. Right. And so I think when we like <clears throat> as Christians, I think it's important that we, come around people who are suffering and, and work with people, bear each other's burdens and remind each other of this. Right. Yeah. Because it might not be you in this season, but it might be you later on that's right. suffering. Right. So having Christians around us to help us suffer, I think is really important. Yeah. It's good. I, I have a question that may take us on a tangent, but like, you know how we often say that the prosperity gospel is wrong do you think there's a danger in swinging too far where you kind of have like a poverty gospel where you're like, yeah, uh, you know, you must be poor in order to follow Jesus. And it's interesting. Like I've had a few conver conversations with people where it seemed that way, where it's kind of like, it was funny. One young adult, this is probably like five or six years ago. Uh, she was talking to me and like, She's like, I can't, I can't even go and like buy a new pair of shoes because I could have given that money to missionaries. And I'm like, okay, yeah. And she gave the example of the rich young ruler. Like Jesus told him, sell everything. And she's like, so is it okay for me to go buy a new pair of jeans when I need a new pair of jeans? I'm like, I think, I think so. <laughs> but it was this mindset of like, I don't know. Do you think we can swing too far where it, like, I don't think. The Bible is saying you're not allowed to ever enjoy anything because then it's like, you know, you're not focused on the kingdom. Or I don't know. Is there this like middle ground where it's like we've, not, been, yeah. we've been blessed before when like someone with really good generosity invites us over and it's like steak and amazing food and then they just really bless you. Like, am I allowed to enjoy that? Or like, you know what I mean? Like, sure. Am I? Is that the prosperity gospel? Like... I think the prosperity gospel got off on the wrong foot because they actually took the product of 
ingenuity and the product of actually Christ-like living in the in a workplace or in a, in in a business space. So you've probably met Christians who are you can almost or maybe not like you've met someone in in a in a situation where you're like, wow, are they a Christian or like are they just a really decent person? And sometimes. <laughs> It's been like Christian. So if you think of someone living Christ like and they're in a space, whether uh, or any kind of workspace, maybe there's promotions and maybe there's advancement and maybe there's growth because you're really kind, you're thoughtful, you are, have integrity. All of these Christ like attributes are actually causing you to find success throughout your workspace or your mm. career mm-hmm. because maybe those are the exact type of people that operate with honor, <laughs> honor mm-hmm. and, and dignity in all their transactions. And then they go home and at the Bible study say like, oh, thank God. Uh, and it's only because of my belief in Christ that I have got this promotion. Well, actually, it was like the last couple of years, you were a really decent person operating through those attributes. Hmm. And that's why I really struggled growing up. Like, here's a money, uh, a book about money. Like, where's the financial planning? Like, where's like you, you invested and you talked to someone and you made some good decisions. But often it'd be like, oh, Christ you know, has promised us this. No, I think so. There's people who are experiencing um, prosperity and, and and wealth, likely because of a lot of the attributes that they have had uh, sure. or have adopted since becoming Christ-like yeah. and striving for righteousness. And then I think the, the line in the sand is like, and again, for the rich young ruler, it's not a good example as a carte blanche, like sell everything, because that was a very principled lesson that was happening right there, sure. where that person made these possessions and that growth a product of their own doing and, and actually made it an idol in their life to become a barrier. <coughs> but we've met, and yes, there's generous people in this community who were like the most humble and giving yeah. a, and doing great work for the kingdom. Countless examples of how those people are vital to the actual um, yeah. the furthering of the kingdom. Yeah, I've heard one, I can't remember if it's an author or a pastor, whether it was a book or a sermon, but he said like the whole idea is that we just live lives with open hands. And the problem is, is when we're like, yeah, I'm making decent money. Then you like kind of close your hand around it. And it's like, it's mine. And he's like, no, the whole point is like God, uh, he, he blesses Christians so that you can actually be like a conduit of God's grace. So like God doesn't give you money so that you can be like sweet addition on my house. Like I can buy a better car. It's like the whole point is like God blesses you so that then you can be a, a, a conduit is what he said of God's grace to other people. Like, so I, it just reminds me like, you know, there's the story of Lydia in Philippi and she was a, yeah. a seller of purple goods, which like it could have put in brackets like, she was super rich because <laughs> that's what it meant. Like if you sold yeah. purple goods, like you were super wealthy and she becomes a believer and Paul stays with her. And I, th- there's debate, but scholars think that the church was like planted in her house. So notice that Paul's not like, no, I can't stay with you because I have to go sleep on the street because I'm a Christian. It was like, okay. Like, and that's where what Philippians comes from where he says like, <coughs> When I have food in my belly and I have a place to sleep, great. When I don't, great. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. So I think there's this, we don't want to swing to extremes, right? Like when God blesses you, I think the danger is then when you like hoard his blessings and you're like, it's all mine. (laughs) Yes. God blesses people so that in turn then we can bless other people. There's lots of warnings in the Bible about money and how it can be corrupting. But... 
it's also something that I, I was going to say, similar to the example you just saw or just told us about is we see both in scripture totally. where there is people who are completely and utterly broke who serve the kingdom of God faithfully. Yeah. And there are people who are incredibly rich who serve the kingdom of God well. And so I think, yeah, it's I, I the word wording that I've heard used that helps me is stewarding what you've been given yep. well. Right. Like always asking how you can serve the kingdom with what you have, because um, totally. I'm just picturing if we're I mean, maybe maybe some people feel convicted this way. But if every single Christian was completely and utterly broke, then when there was things that you needed to give money to so that things could happen, <laughs> no one would be able to do it. <laughs> yeah, true. Right. And so I, I'm just thinking practically in the world that we live in, where God is putting forward his kingdom, it makes sense to me that there'd be people who can financially afford to to help further the kingdom. And it's not that it's out of their own pocket. Those gifts are gifts from God still. Yeah. Um, but like you said, it's the attitude of this is God's. We do, we do that with even our uh, baby dedications, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we will dedicate our children to God saying, Lord, we recognize this as a gift from you. Yeah. Like, yes, a husband and wife have come together and, and made this child, but this child is still a gift from you. And so we recognize that it is yours to give and yours to take away. Yeah. We want to serve the kingdom well with this. And we should be doing that with all of the aspects of our lives. Yep. Boom. Any uh, final thoughts? I thought it would be fun to do a, because uh, someone said like, man, when you gave those like book recommendations. Oh, now it's going to be every week? No, not every week. Oh, okay. But like, and, and this person said. I don't like, read that fast, man. Can you like, yeah, Corlin will have a once a year book recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> Just or they said like, or like other podcasts, which I'm like, you don't listen to other podcasts. Only listen yeah. to this <laughs> podcast. It's dangerous to listen But are there like books or other podcasts that you guys are listening the to Bible that you good. could... Uh, the Bible is good. There's always one who's like, I only read the Bible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I follow Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Other podcasts or other books that you're reading or... If not, that's okay. I don't even remember what I all suggested last time. You so. said like the the one in Genesis that yeah. you're reading. That one I know I did. But did I, did I talk about You Are What You Love? I think it's John Smith, John K. Smith. John Smith from like Pocahontas? Is that yep. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, he wrote a book. He wrote a great book. No. <laughs> I can't remember if I suggested that so one. So what's it called? You Are What You Love. You Are What You Love. Yeah, okay. that one is a quite an interesting read. Really good. Yeah, and I just started listening to um, yesterday actually a podcast from Stephen Lawson. He's talking about William Tyndale and some church history. Oh, I just listened to that one. Oh, yeah. That's pretty random. That's super random. So, <laughs> I just had it Wait. sent to me yesterday from a friend uh, that we went for coffee and just the uh, yeah it's called the Bible study with Stephen Lawson yeah but Ge- there's three episodes right about Tyndale yeah, yeah. geeking out on some church history because that's where my seminary started at Tyndale so I'm like oh that's kind of cool that's super cool um because it was John Knox was his mentor right John Knox no uh, Wycliffe John Wycliffe yeah I didn't listen that closely I was sharpening sweets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it I was, was good. I don't know what it said. <laughs> so honestly, I had the podcast in my ear. I had hockey on a screen, and I was sharpening wow. speed, <laughs> sharpening speed skating skates and convincing myself I didn't have ADHD. <laughs> Sheesh. Okay, so uh, I'm maybe you share, shouldn't recommend that till you listen about, to it a little better yeah. about Wycliffe because he like translated the Bible, and the Catholic Church was like, "No, you're not allowed to do that." Mm. So he died, and then he was buried, and then the Catholic Church had a a meeting oh, after yeah. he was buried yep. to condemn him as a heretic, dug up his bones and burnt him 
And well, first, no, they dug up his bones and just moved him out of the church cemetery. And then years later, they condemned him again and dug <laughs> up his bones and burned him at his skeleton at the stake. <laughs> Which I'm like, that is so. That I is hope so that cool. happens to me. That I'm such a threat, even after I'm dead. Burn his bones. <laughs> Humans are weird. We're so dumb sometimes. Anyways, uh, Tyler, what are you listening to besides like death metal? Right? Is that what you're? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, North my music tastes are um, <laughs> controversial to some but uh, can I just say he sent me uh, you I'm gonna see if I can find it keep talking he sent me a song oh, that I was can like tell you what it is can we do this song for Christmas Eve or something like that <laughs> so keep talking yeah right? so uh, yeah that was fun um, it's called Lowborn by Wolves of the Gate uh, it's an amazing Christmas song <laughs> but Wolves of the but uh, Listen to it while you're reading the lyrics because it might be hard to understand <laughs> if, if you're not accustomed to that type of music. Um, but going back to the book things, I'm going to take it into a slightly different direction. Uh, one of the things that we as a family really like to delve into is um, creation versus evolution. So one of the books that uh, I read, and it's been a, a while since I read it, but it's called Evolution Impossible. And it takes the seven facets of science hmm. and basically takes each one uh, to disprove evolution and how they look at it. So whether it's chemistry or biology or geology. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it's it was a very enlightening book. Um, so yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I think I gave my suggestion already, unless I gave it two times in a row, but it nope. is a good book, so. It's good. I'll stand Anyways, by we'll it. do this from time to time because some of our listeners are like readers. And yeah. And they know good books to read, so. Yeah. Sweet. Well, this has been episode 100. 100. Pew, pew, pew. Woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're going to announce that we're shutting it down. No. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. We were just going to 100. Now we're done. Yeah. We got nothing else. We were looking there. at fame and fortune. Never came. Yeah, it never <laughs> happened. No sponsors. Oh, yeah. man. Anyways, thanks for listening. Uh, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>